Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Rampeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. As always, you can join the conversation by calling in with your questions at 805-285-9865. Or you can share your thoughts on Twitter. Be sure to use the hashtag MTFW. Now, let's get the conversation started. Good morning, everyone. This is Lorraine, and it is, as Allison has been reminding me all day, Wednesday, January 2nd, 2013. It is? <laughs> it is. Start of the new year. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. And because Allison and I are going to be chatting about planning, we've got Tamara on Twitter. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning. Hey, everybody. If you've got questions and comments, be sure to... Uh, Use the hashtag pound MTFW. But let's go ahead and get started. It's that time of year businesses are reevaluating and readjusting and thinking, okay, this is going to be our year. How do they get started? Well, I think that there's a really big temptation to just dive in and start fixing things. Everybody wants to do things, but I think that's usually a mistake because you get this one big burst of enthusiasm in the first you know, couple weeks of the year that you realize it's hard work and it falls off the new end of the year right where you started it. I think that you're absolutely right. And I think um, the way to um, avoid that is to put together a plan. But there are a lot of different kinds of plans that um, businesses can use. So where does the moment not already get started? Well, let's, let's divide it into a couple categories. I've got kind of four different plans. Um, there's what I'm going to call an operating plan, a financial plan, strategic, and a marketing plan. And depending on the kind of business you are, you're going to start at a different place. Now, I did not go to business college, so I don't know what any of those mean. So why don't you break it down for those of us who uh, maybe don't know what those mean. So for um, a business starting out, I think an operating plan is probably the most important because here you're going to detail all the different elements of your business. You're really this is this is probably the formal business plan that you might take to a banker to get funding that you will run your business by. And so you really need to look at what the business is about, how they're going to run their operations every day, where their where their business is going to come from, who's going to be in charge of what. Um, Typically, these are fairly long and lengthy documents, and there's a lot of pushback now where a lot of startup businesses say, oh, they don't need that. It's, it's too much. So a lot of businesses are now saying they don't need that, that that's too much. That seems very counterintuitive to me, especially for small startups that might be helmed and really driven by one person. Now, I always come back to this. What if that one person gets hit by a bus? And I think that it helps to have this stuff written down. I think that um, it, it's a difference between being in business um, or being self-employed. Mm -hmm. And if you're just doing this to earn a paycheck and when you're ready to retire, you're ready to close up shop and go away and, and pull the plug, then maybe you don't need the operating plan. But if you're building an entity that other people are going to be a part of, and that you want to be able to run when you're not around, either temporarily or permanently, 
then having a, a more formal operating document that, that answers the questions. Where are you going to be located? Why are you going to be there? Um, who's going to be in charge of sales? Who's going to be in charge of managing your books? How often are you going to audit different pieces of your business? Um, for businesses looking to get started with an operating plan, we've got a free business plan outline, and I've put it on our website on the MTFW podcast um, that I think is a really good start. And when I started Roundpeg, I wrote that kind of plan. But I think that even for, for maybe more established businesses who perhaps skip that step, they, they bootstrap, they self-fund, and they didn't have to go to a bank and get money, there's still a lot of value, I think, in having that plan because every year you can come back to it and say, okay, here's how we did things in the past year. What worked, what didn't, what processes do we need to update, which processes are good but are we just not following for whatever reason, and how can we fix those things? So it really needs to be a living, breathing document, right? Oh, absolutely, because um, if you're going to write the plan like an MBA exercise and put it on a shelf, um, it has almost no value. I actually really enjoy, I take, um, and I always do it the week between Christmas and New Year's, and so it's gone on vacation with me, I've done it in the car, um, or just sitting in the office. Um, I go through last year's plan, and sometimes I laugh, and sometimes I'm like, wow, that was a really good idea, and oh, I forgot we were going to do that. Um, this year I actually made a change and I went to a much shorter document, um, more of a strategic plan. And we built that the way I think strategic plans should be built, and this is with a team. Instead of sitting by myself figuring out what Roundpeg was going to do or be, I um, brought everybody together and basically gave them a state of the business. This is where we are. This is where we want to be, and identify the gaps. And then what you do is you create action plans to move through that gap. What did you think of the process? What worked? What didn't work? How do you think other businesses could fly it? It was, yeah, this was our first time doing this at Roundpeg. Um, people had been aware of the financials uh, to varying degrees in the business. I think that it was I think that it helped to give the team a sense of ownership to understand, you know, these are the numbers that we have to reach. Now let's work together and play to all of our different strengths and figure out ways that together we can reach these new goals and make things better for everybody and have more fun and make more money and do all the things that people are in business to do. So I think it was a good process. I think that the trick is going to be maintaining it past this first blush of enthusiasm. And I think that's the idea with a strategic plan is it is a much more interactive document because you have big objectives. Um, we divided really into three basic categories of things that we want to accomplish this year that we think would, would move us forward. One is lead generation, finding more people who want to work with us. The second is expanding what we do for our existing clients, and the third was really more um, driving our costs down by improving our, pro our internal profits. And one of the things that we did was then kind of drill down under that and we created some action items and um, put people accountable for different elements. And that's really the key to a strategic plan is having very specific short-term activities that you own. 
you know, it's, it's the old joke, how do you eat? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, start at the tail and work your way up. So when you say, you know, okay, we're going to, you know, saying I'm going to increase revenue this year, that's not a goal. That's a given. Every business wants to increase revenue every year. That's why you're in business. It costs more and more to be in business every year. But you have to make more to make up with that and hopefully give yourself some raises too. Saying, I want to find 10 more customers, that's a goal. Now you have to break it down to very specific activities. In order to get those customers, I'm going to make five more phone calls a week. I'm going to make it a goal to keep in touch with old customers and see how I can help them. We're going to change this process so that we can turn websites faster. Whatever it is, the really important stuff is not the end, it's the means. And um, it is, for some things, it is tracking every day. For some things, it's a matter of checking in once a week to see where you are. And for other things, it may be looking at it once a month. But the key to strategic planning is really coming back and looking at when new opportunities arise and someone says, oh, let's do this. And particularly for small business owners with um, uh, squirrel syndrome. I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> oh, Alice, I've got a great idea. Ten years of my life, I never found that out. But sometimes they're actually, they actually are yeah, good ideas. They idea. are, this is true. Yeah. But the, the, the idea with a strategic plan is when you have an owner that has this, I woke up in the morning, let's, let's paint the world blue, you can sit down and you can say, okay, that's great. We have these three goals or these four big goals. How does that support it? How does this fit? How does that support it? And Alice and I have to admit, you kind of love being able to do that to me, don't you? Every every business part, every business owner, because business owners do tend to be very jackrabbity. They want to they want to hop from one thing to the next. They need someone who's going to say, that sounds like a great idea. Does it really fit with what you're trying to do? There there are lots of great ideas in the world. They're not all great ideas for you and for your business where it is right now. And so everything, you know, you've only got limited time resources. You need to ask yourself every day, how does this get me where I want to be? And if it doesn't, give the idea to someone else, sell it, get rid of it, put it on a back burner, do something with it, but let it go. And I, I will be the first to admit that I have a hard time sometimes letting go, not just letting go of new ideas, but sometimes letting go of things that we've done for a long time. And uh, having a good strategic plan, being able to identify what is most important um, helps me drop those things to the bottom of the, uh, the list to say, you know what, not going to worry about that for 30 days. Um, let's switch over real quick and just look at financial plans. Um, I think the financial plan is really the simplest. It's, it's taking your budget and projecting it out over a year and looking at what your sales and your revenue are going to be uh, month by month and look at what your expenses are going to be and, and figuring out where you're going to end up at the end of the year. Now, how often should a small business owner be looking at this document, be looking and seeing how their actual financials are matching up with their projected financials? I would say at least once a month. Um, uh, with QuickBooks and with other accounting software, if you're entering all of your expenses and all of your revenue and you're generating invoices, it is a push of the button to go to QuickBooks reporting and take a look at 
Where are you? And how are you comparing? Bless you. Um, how are you comparing um, year over year? How are you comparing against your budget? And if you're off track, start looking at diving into the numbers and go, are we off track in sales? Is it our expenses are too high? Um, we've had situations where we actually went way out of whack on a good side for a particular product category and started looking at, well, what was creating that opportunity? What was driving that? Is it an anomaly or is it sustainable? Every now and then you land that big fish and it throws your numbers out of whack. You have to be careful uh, to separate that out and realize just what it was and not start changing your whole organization and suddenly finding out you can't replicate that month after month. It seems like the key to a lot of these different kinds of planning is just staying on top of it every month, not just doing it once and never looking at it again. I know a lot of business owners do get in trouble because they're not looking at their financials enough. I, I am horrified every time I talk to um, my friends who are accountants and they talk about business owners coming in with boxes of receipts um, or their financials saying, how did I do this year? I don't know how you run a business um, and not know how you're doing. I don't know how you run your life. I look at my bank account <laughs> a couple times a week. I mean, isn't that just normal human behavior? Well, and I think that that's one of the things that sometimes can, um, can be deceiving is if you just look at the bank account, yes, it helps if there's money in the bank account, and certainly I do manage to that. But there's also the, um, the underlying issues in your business that are more than just cash flow. It's, you know, how much money do you have outstanding? How long does it take for people to pay you? And I can do an entire session on, on ratios and stuff in your, in your business. But the bottom line is you put a plan in place and at least once a month check your numbers. Um, and the other thing, as you're putting that plan in place, I, I laugh a lot of times. I ask the business owner, well, how much do you want to make on a monthly basis? And they're like, oh, $10,000 and $20,000. And I'm like, great. How many sales is that? How many transactions? And a lot of times, business owners don't think about that. They don't break it down to average revenue per customer. So they don't know how much they can afford to spend to acquire that next customer. I mean, if you're selling widgets at $10 a pop, it takes you a long time to get to $10,000. If you're doing major marketing plans at $10,000 a pop, you have a lot less prospecting to do. But you know what's interesting is, is I run into businesses a lot like us mm -hmm. where we don't have one product. We do everything from one or two hours of consulting all the way up to, like you said, that $10,000 plan. And so if you don't step back every month and look at what is your average revenue per customer, and it's not impossible to calculate an average. You sum up everything you sold, you sum up. I can do that. <laughs> and, and so when business owners are um, resistant, I always tell them, just add it up. Just take a look at what it is because it will tell you, are you spending too much time trying to chase these small fish is your business top-heavy with just one or two customers, and are you at risk if those one or two customers go That's away? That's big. I, you know, I have a lot of friends who work at marketing and PR agencies, and I have seen jobs disappear overnight because of the loss of one client. It, it can be very, very brutal. 
And I, I know that I have been on both sides of that, where I have, um, uh, I've, I've seen uh, clients go by the wayside, and I've scrambled to try to pick, to rearrange the pieces. And on the other side, I uh, was a client and told an agency they were fired. And I know that overnight, a lot of people lost their jobs. Um, but to some extent, I blame the business owners. Because even if you have that one or two big clients, um, if you are not always looking out saying, if that goes away, how do I reallocate the resources? Um, number one, you, you turn a lot of people's lives upside down, but also you turn your business upside down. If you're not prepared to say, okay, if we lose this client, I can stay in the business for two to three months until we find someone else, and you know what? I'm going to suck it up because it takes too long to build a good staff. Yeah. Okay, so there's one last type of, of plan that business owners need to consider. They need to be thinking about a marketing plan. And my favorite. My favorite, absolutely, because cause this is what we do. Um, and the marketing plan, I mean, on a lot of these plans, there's a lot of overlap. You know, your strategic plan is going to have marketing elements. Um, it's got to have, you know, kind of an eye to the financial. But the marketing plan, really, every business needs to do this. Even if you're not going to take that good, hard look inside your organization, you need to be looking at who is your customer, what do they want, what do you deliver, and then start figuring out how you and where you're going to present your business. Um, are you going to spend money on web design? Are you going to spend money on television advertising? Um, are you going to do direct mail? And are you going to focus heavily on social media? And which social media? And most importantly, why? I think we we actually have a, a client who's kind of an interesting case study in this. They are a very old company, over 100 years old, and they had, through their earlier marketing efforts, built a really great fan base of customers. People, they had family associations with this. It was, you know, a holiday product. It was something that everyone came together around. And so they had all these customers, so they stopped marketing. <laughs> and people kept buying the product, and people kept buying the product, but there's a problem now, which is that these people are dying. So, you know, people often think, well, you know, if I get to a certain level, I can stop marketing, but that's just not how it works because, you know, customers, even if it's a long average life, customers only have an average literal life. And so you have to, um, I think you have to look at your customer mix and, and decide, do you have kind of that strong foundation? If you do, then a lot of your marketing can be directed at, maintaining those relationships and um, creating referral types of programs and incentives and encouraging your clients to, to share who you are with their friends and family. I think one mistake that a lot of business owners make is thinking that all marketing has to be that aimed at new client acquisition. Mm -hmm. When the fact of the matter is, it is much easier, more cost-effective, and often more profitable to market to the customer you've already got. Absolutely. And um, uh, I do this well. Uh, kind of uh, marketing by the numbers, look, and I actually developed this 20-plus uh, years ago when um, uh, I was in the heating and air conditioning business and showing contractors how expensive it was to try to chase 
new customers through advertising. Um, just the idea that, you know, for a lot of products, walking down the street or even if I'm in a room of 100 business owners, how many of them are likely to say they're ready to update their website this month? If I'm lucky, one, odds are I'll need a 1,000 business owners to find two or three who are going to do it this month. And so if I need a sale this month, I've got to talk to a lot of business owners. And then even when I do, some of them are going to go shop with my competitors. And so your close rates are lower on people that don't know you, broadcasting to this giant audience, you may or may not actually get a sale. So looking at as you divide your marketing budget, if you've got that solid base, spending a significant portion of your marketing budget and effort. And for a lot of small businesses, they're like, well, I don't really have a marketing budget. It's just me updating my website, doing social media. Your time costs. So when I'm referring to marketing budget, you should also be looking at your time and your employees' time as a resource. Um, and that works great if you've got an established base. If you don't, you're going to have to focus your marketing activities on the advertising side of, of that equation. And you're going to have to recognize that you have to kiss a lot of problems and get you in front of a lot of people. It's a tough racket, but it does work. It absolutely does. Um, and you know what? Different businesses, uh, we're working uh, with a, a company that has basically a product that people buy one time. And it's not a product where people are necessarily um, really well informed about their options before they need the product. But even though they might only buy this product once a decade uh, or so, they are very inclined to tell their friends about it. And so even if someone might not be a repeat customer themselves, you've got to think about who they know and giving them an experience and an incentive that's going to make them want to tell everybody oh, you're looking for that, you need to call this guy. Absolutely. But also for that kind of client where they don't have a, they don't have a lot of loyalty among their customer base, for them, Google AdWords makes sense. When people need the product, they need it. They are likely to get on the Internet and search because they don't, they don't have a preferred provider. They don't have that relationship. And so in categories like that, a part of the marketing budget makes sense. For um, another client that we're working with, there's a very competitive industry, and as we're looking at their marketing plans, they can't afford Google AdWords. Um, at $80 a click, the campaign cannot deliver enough quality leads. And so we have to build a plan that drives traffic in different ways. Well, and just like with every other plan that we've discussed, the key is seeing on a month-to-month basis what is working, what needs more time before it's going to work, because in marketing it's a longer it's a longer process than other things. Things take time to mature and things take time to build up equity and that sort of thing. But you need to be looking every month and saying, are things moving in the right direction? Do we need to course correct? Where do we need to be spending more money? Where do we need to be spending cover losses and spend less money? You've got to look at it regularly. You do, and I think the, the point that you made, that idea that marketing is going to take several months. You're not always going to see immediate efforts. Um, when I was in corporate, it actually was, for big brands, 
very often it's a one-year lag. Um, we would have the number one brand awareness position. We would cut our marketing budget, and the next year we would still be um, number one. But the year after we would fall, and then we continued to fall. And even when we started bringing the advertising back up, it could take one or two years. For smaller businesses, it's a shorter cycle, but there's still that lag. You do a lot of activity this month, you may not see it in your sales for one or two months. There have been instances where we've worked with a company and, you know, we try to do our best to tell them on Friday, you know, this is going to take time. They get fed up after a couple of months and want, and want to stop and pull back. They often see their best sales month right after they cancel with a marketing. And you've seen this. This is true, right? Mm -hmm. Usually it's that first month right after they tend to see a spike, and then after that it's a long, slow decline back down. Yes. And so um, as you're looking at your marketing plan, build in, um, build in the timelines. Recognize that this is going to be a quick hit, and this is going to take some more time. Um, as we're wrapping up, just kind of a couple of quick reminders. If you're in the Indianapolis area, we have got a great lineup of seminars uh, this spring, including Marketing by the Numbers in mid-January, to talk about marketing budgets. We've got a large library of business planning tools that are free to download, and you can actually find them on the webpage talking about today's program. You can also find those just by going to our website and looking under our resources tab. You'll find all kinds of great information um, and all sorts of great stuff there. And um, uh, sometimes it's hard to decide which to download because the list is pretty long. If you have a question, call us. Um, we're happy to talk about it. Planning is a particular passion of mine. Um, people don't realize that that's what this business was when I started, long before we were doing marketing. Well, I always had office cats, but um, had, had a staff and a, and a crazy White House to play in. Um, Roundtech has always been about the strategy and making good decisions. Lay your foundation, work hard toward a specific and concrete goal, and 2013 will be your best year yet. I think, uh, I think that's great advice. We're, we're looking forward to uh, a really rocking 2013. We've got, we've got big plans in place. We hope that you do as well. If you have enjoyed today's program, if you want to catch up with Allison, she's Alice Nell Carter on Twitter. You can find me at Lorraine Ball on Twitter, and you can always find the Roundpeg account. We share a lot of information on Twitter, and you can also check our blog for more detailed information at roundhead.biz. Coming up next week, we've got another great show. Oh, we do. We are going to be talking about Twitter, um, specifically supporting community events and how you can use Twitter as a, as a, a vehicle for promoting um, and creating a lot of excitement around local events. Ben Reisinger with Do It Indie is going to be our guest. That's always fun to talk to Big Ben, so we know you won't want to miss that one. Absolutely. And again, if you've enjoyed the program, be sure to check out our blog at roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.